There's a difference, though. Um, there because, may be, yeah. Because um, television is completely passive. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so uh, social social media, uh, you know, handheld devices make it appear active. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so so that's that's a big thing. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that the active part of it is important because for me, what social media and, and digital technology do is they uh, reinforce that self-sufficiency that we have. Mm. Right. That ego yeah. that, that we have. Yeah. And it creates a space. Right. An architecture. Right. For us to. Um, you know, embellish it mm-hmm. to grow it, mm. right? Uh, and it gets yeah. bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. And I was thinking because I was going to come here, like, yeah, yeah. how is that different than architecture and, mm. and great architecture, at least in my um, humble opinion? Yeah. Uh-huh. I, it seems to me that great architecture does the exact opposite, mm. right? You walk into a great cathedral yeah. and you're forced to forget yourself, mm-hmm. right? To transcend yourself, yeah. to overcome yourself because right. you're Absolutely. inside something bigger. Welcome to another episode of the Beauty of a New Podcast. Uh, they make a bunch of noise, dropping stuff on the table. <laughs> this is uh, Chris Duffel and Rafael Morales, and we have a special guest today, uh, Taylor Fail. And um, we have an interesting topic today uh, as it kind of relates to things that we have discussed before, specifically um, the the idea that John Sr. has, has raised in the Institute uh, or the Integrated Humanities Program that uh, we need to kind of be whole in order to fully uh, experience life. And if we remove ourselves from um, existence in, in nature and fully engaging in a kind of holistic education, then we are uh, kind of fragmented. And um, the topic of today is um, with Taylor is a discussion of a book by um, Cal Newport called Digital Minimalism. And digital minimalism, the idea in the book, as it relates to um, this idea that came out of Second Vatican Council, uh, that uh, is summarized in a particular line um, uh, called uh, conscious active participation. So um, basically what we have here is this idea that um, the the reason for the council, uh, or not the reason, but one of the main uh, hinge points in the council was this desire for people to be consciously and actively participating in the liturgy. There's a sense that they weren't doing that before. And part of what that implies is that you are, uh, you have attention that you can focus on. And back in the late fifties, early sixties, uh, the, the concept of how we focus our attention and what's clamoring for our attention and what's distracting us. And, you know, the mega corporations that would in the future be, you know, that would have a lot of money at stake and making sure you're sort of distracted and focused on, social media type things was not really a focus. So what, what this episode is kind of focusing on is the collision of these two ideas of people feeling like they're overstretched in their digital lives. And this idea that we have changed in some way, the focus of the Catholic liturgy, we didn't really change the focus. We'd, we changed fundamentally, not fundamentally. I'm going to, I'm self editing as we go. (laughs) We changed in a big way. Uh, the way the mass works in part, because we wanted people to be able to focus better. And then fast forward, you know, 70, 80 years, however long it's been, um, we, the, the whole idea of us needing to focus and minimize our lives um, is, is just totally different now. So we're going to have Taylor here to help us make some sense of that. And um, 
Taylor, uh, I'd like you to welcome, first of all. Thanks, thanks, thanks for, for walking across me. the street and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this conversation. Um, why don't you explain to the listeners uh, what you do professionally and how what you do uh, relates to the kind of topic that I clumsily introduced. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks for having me. Um, so I work – actually, I just got a new job, but for the past five years – I've worked um, at sort of the intersection of like soul and machine, mm. right? So nice. learning, anima technica background. That's right, right. Learning yeah, yeah. and um, and you know digital technologies, basically. Okay. Okay. So um, I worked as an instructional designer at the University of Houston, mm-hmm. um, where we did a lot of work around putting uh, courses that were traditionally delivered face to face into an online format, mm-hmm. right? And so. Um, so yeah, so I've gotten real familiar with the technologies out there around teaching and learning. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, over time, I mean, at first I thought, you know, this is this is all really cool, and like, look at all the stuff we can do, yeah. And look at how great it is, and we can scale this knowledge and everything. Mm-hmm. And then over time, I started to realize that, wait a minute, we're losing a huge, <laughs> a huge amount, yeah, um, yeah. in that process. Hmm. And so, um, I still I still do that. I work at a new company now, but. Um, but yeah, so adult learning, you know, online education, and just trying yeah. to trying to be a minimalist professionally, yeah, you yeah. know, and so see where where can we, we can we you know take out stuff that's not necessary, yeah, so that we can um, focus the learner's attention, yeah, on only those things that are essential. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what I do professionally. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's talk first about Newport's book. Okay. Um, uh, the book is called Digital Minimalism, and you wrote a a very great review of the book, um, and the LA Review of Books. And um, can you give us uh, like a kind of overview of what the book is and and your kind of take on it? Yeah, yeah, sir, sure. Um, so I was introduced to, to Newport when I was a grad student at Catholic University in DC. Okay. <clears throat> we. Mm-hmm. Um, the the people in the philosophy department um, invited him out to kind of coach us on how to be productive dissertation writers. Mm, yeah, um, yeah, clearly that didn't work in my case. Right? <laughs> but I never finished, but nonetheless, I was aware of his stuff. And yeah. then I kind of came across his book in an analog fashion by um, browsing half price books, huh, as it, he would have it. Right. Yeah. Hey, yeah. And, and so it, yeah. so I came across that's and I was awesome. like, oh, this looks like right up my alley. Yeah. And it turns out that I had sort of been you know um looking for something in this vein yeah it was approaching lent okay and i was thinking okay what am i going to fast how am i going to fast how am i going to you know do that and so um so it fell into my lap right um but newport's book is basically about trying to figure out how we can manage uh or salvage our lives Mm. in the face of this you know unwieldy situation yeah. we're in salvage is totally a fitting word because yeah. it, it like the way he talks about it, it's, it's total wreckage yeah it's like wipe the slate clean because yeah mm. you can't go in a piece and, and that's really what drew me to his book mm. right so the first part of the book is about um what are we going to do what's the process we're going to go through to to become minimalists yeah so he he um he defines what digital minimalism is. Mm-hmm. It's a um, philosophy of digital technology mm-hmm. and then how we can apply it in our lives. And he has this process called the digital declutter. Yeah. Where, yeah talk about that. So basically what it is is it, it's an abstinence program yeah. where you take away everything digital that's not utterly essential for your life. Yeah. And the, the example I think he gives, which is great, is um, you know if you have a deployed husband over yeah. – 
overseas, you still want to be able to use FaceTime. Yeah. Right. Cause, right. cause that, cause that brings you together. Sure. Right? That's, sure, a, that's sure. essential. Yeah. Everything else, cut it out. Yeah. Like whole hog, just get rid of it. Yeah. And that's what drew yeah. me to it. Right. So including television, would that include television or is that a separate realm from the digital? Well, it, it's, it's not so much that like one thing is in or out. It's that it needs to begin at like, it's a tabula rasa condition. So mm-hmm. it says to cut everything out and then approach so, it, approach it additively instead of subtractively. Right. So including so, television. Yeah, yeah. He says cut everything out. Everything. I just didn't know if there was a difference between the digital meaning internet-based and like television, which could be or could not be. No, I, th- I think it's it's the way you receive the information. So I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Taylor, but it's if it's a digital thing that you largely receive in a passive fashion, which TV would fall into that category. So like a radio. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe. I mean, I'm just seeing yeah. like how extreme no, yeah, yeah, the yeah. case become. Well, but but like, but. He, See, but but I think um, like already that's going down the wrong path. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because um, once you start splitting hairs, mm-hmm. right, then that's where the problem starts. Sure. Right. Yeah. It's like, well, I need, and he's really big on like the promise of these digital technologies. Mm-hmm. The promise was mm-hmm. these are supposed to make our lives easier. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Here's mm-hmm. a, a solution to a problem we have. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we download them without thinking or we mm-hmm. turn them on without thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden our lives are dispersed across right. this vast array <laughs> of technologies that we yeah. no longer have any control over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, right. So, so that's kind of what he's trying to make us aware of, I guess, mm. through the process. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, I was really drawn to that abstinence piece, yeah. you know? And yeah. so he's like digital de- declutter 30 days, cut it out. Yeah. See what happens. Yeah. Right. And so he, he kind of did like a pilot with a lot of his followers from his blog. He just yeah. sent an email out and said, Hey, is anybody willing to do this? Yeah. And like thousands of people like, signed yeah! up. And so we got a lot of feedback hmm. and a How lot did he of get feedback. Uh, if they, I uh, think email, he just said, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Through his Facebook group. <laughs> right. Right. They called him mm-hmm. yeah. um, on a rotary phone pigeons. And, uh, so, so the feedback was largely positive, Yeah, you know, people, oh, yeah. you know, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he was like, okay, I think this thing has legs. Yeah. You know, let's look deeper at it. But, but the, the, the thing that really, uh, bought me into the book besides that abstinence piece mm-hmm. was his, his um, approach to the second half of the book, which is, okay, once we take away the stuff, there's going to be a really big void in our lives. Yeah. And he's yeah. very realistic about yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. So like what happens then, you know, what's an adequate substitute mm-hmm. for that? And so he outlines, and I think four or five chapters, mm-hmm. you know, some ideas about how we can fill mm-hmm. this void. And, it's it's a secular book, right? So he sure. doesn't he yeah. doesn't bring in any kind of yeah. religious ideas. Yeah. But certainly, there's a lot of resonance, right? Oh yeah, within yeah. A, a, a religious. Living. That's that's part of what I liked about your review is there's so much religious uh, sort of potential undertone in what he says, and your your review is refreshing because you're just sort of comfortable bringing in uh, religious thinkers and you know like philosophers alike. Um, and it seemed more natural than just saying, get rid of the technology and like live a happy life. Because in the end, I'm like, well, to what end? Like, mm-hmm. so you can be more focused. And he talks about having certain apps are okay um, because you intentionally choose to invite them into your life, mm-hmm. especially if they have disproportionate returns and the value is worth it. And uh, there was a particular line where he says um, uh, that the tools are designed to take more of your time and attention than you want and to reduce the quality of your life. And he talked about um, how if you think about time like a budget, 
mm-hmm. and you say, well, they're just going to take a little bit of my time. Like, well, that's fine. No one would make a family budget and then just like willfully have some third party lop off a quarter or a third or a half of in during the day. Cause some people spend, you know, six, seven, eight hours a day yeah. on their phones flipping through these things. Right. Um, so I, I, I guess like props to you. I, I, I appreciated the, um, the sort of effortlessness with which you brought it into the sunk faith perspective in the book review. Yeah. And, and just prior to reading that book, I'd read a lot of Thomas Merton. Oh yeah. Okay. And so, um, I was like, the whole time I was reading the book, I had Thomas Merton in the back of my mind. Yeah. You know, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. like, I really think there could be an excellent book written. Um, I'm not really qualified to write it, but <laughs> Thomas Merton on social media, hmm. right? Like, yeah. Yeah. like how would he mm-hmm. think about this? Sure. And, gonna, and so I found that one quote where yeah. he mentions technology, Yeah, um, but it's about television. Yeah, I have it here. I'm going to read it. Okay. Actually, you read it. You wrote the article. Okay. It says right there. <laughs> That's the first paragraph. Okay, so yeah, writing in the late 1940s, the Trappist monk Thomas Merton described how technology seeps into and reorganizes the internal life of modern human beings. I had modern man, but the editor changed that. Uh, editors. Certainly it would seem, he wrote, that TV could become a kind of unnatural surrogate for contemplation, a completely inert subjection to vulgar images, a descent to a subnatural passivity rather than an ascent to a supremely active passivity in understanding and love. That's why when you said TV earlier, Rafa, Mm -hmm. I included it because... He included TV in his Merton quote. No, yeah. I mean, I, and John Sr. talked about, so John, I don't know if you know who John Sr. was, but he was a, an educator in Kansas. Episode two and four. Who I think would have a lot of, it would Sympathies. resonate very much yeah, with yeah, what Thomas yeah. Merton was talking about. Which basically, he said, television mediates your reality. Mm-hmm. His advice was, go home and smash your television. Yeah. yeah. Like, it is preventing you from experiencing real life. Marshall McLuhan was totally anti-TV too. And I mean, that description is pretty severe as to how television can essentially turn you into this like vegetative, like non-reflective person mm-hmm. um, to the point that, yeah, you miss out on life through yeah, it, yeah. you know? And I imagine social media turns it up to like 20 <laughs> yeah. you know, oh because gosh. it's constant it is in your pocket all the time, whereas television at least yeah. stays in your in but one place. <laughs> it's interesting you mentioned television, and so it makes me think like there's a difference, though. Um, there because, may be yeah. because um, television is completely passive, right? Mm-hmm. Right, and so uh, social social media, uh, you know, handheld devices make it appear active. Yes, right, yeah. and so so that's that's a big thing, right? And mm-hmm. I think that the active part of it is important because. For me, what social media and, and digital technology do is they uh, reinforce that self-sufficiency that we have, mm. right? That ego yeah. that, that we have. Yeah. And it creates a space, right? An architecture right. for us to um, you know, embellish it, mm-hmm. to grow it, mm. right? Uh, and it gets yeah. bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. And I was thinking because I was going to come here, like, yeah, yeah. how is that different than architecture? And, mm. and great architecture, at least in my um, humble opinion. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, it seems to me that great architecture does the exact opposite, mm. right? You walk into a great cathedral yeah. and you're forced to forget yourself, mm-hmm. right? To transcend yourself, yeah. to overcome yourself because right. you're Absolutely. inside something bigger. Right. Yeah. So um, that, that distinction. And, you know, I think that, you know, our society conspires against that ego, mm-hmm. you know, building that self-sufficiency that we mm-hmm. have. You know, um, the philosopher, the Canadian philosopher, Charles Taylor, Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he... I don't think so. 
he talks about the buffered self, mm-hmm. right? Which is oh, a I've self heard about that, the buffered self, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it, we create this buffer around ourselves mm-hmm. that doesn't invite traffic with the outside world. Yeah, yeah. And he he brings up the Middle Ages where um, they're just imbued with this idea that there are spirits, you know, demons mm-hmm. yeah. attacking them yeah. and, and yeah. making it through, yeah. right? And they have to fight them spiritually, yeah. right? Yeah. And and we've in the modern age we've totally. Um, created this you know break with that right right and so i think that social media um just ratchets that up to the nth degree right right because you know we think that okay if we can get you know some more followers on instagram or linkedin or whatever Mm. right we can have that that ego building feeling yeah without the deep relationality that Mm -hmm. comes with Right. having a conversation with someone sure you know sure, sure. and that's and that's kind of what that book gets at and why i liked mm. it so much right yeah because it reinforces a lot of these ideas yeah and the hard work i mean having real relationships is very difficult yeah it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of time and you know it's not always going to be easy yeah. and, and think, there's and there's risk that's right and you have to be vulnerable yeah right and you can't be self-sufficient Right. Right. That's the, that's the whole, I mean. Yeah. And social media gives you the illusion that you can have that without having to give Mm -hmm. up yourself. Right. You know. And so that's why it's so, uh, you know, luring. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't have, it doesn't, it doesn't require the hard work of being a friend and being a neighbor Mm -hmm. and sacrificing of yourself. You know, it's super easy to like pull the thing and hit a check mark or hit a thumbs up. Like, you know, at the same time, it can be very destructive because, you know, the way that social media is set up is the more you play, the more you do it, the more it rewards you. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you, if you're someone that already struggles with relationships and then you try this thing and you don't get traction on it, it can be that much more destructive also yeah. mm-hmm. because it gives you this sense that like nobody likes you right. because mm-hmm. like if you can't find friends on the internet, which is supposed yeah. to be this endless, you know, world mm-hmm. of people, then yeah. who's going to like me? So I think that's why you see all these High yeah. rates of depression also associated mm. with it because it almost has the same effect in, in the way that it puffs you up in your ego. It also mm. has the ability to tear you down in a way yeah. that exactly. like no person would tear you down, you yeah. know, face to face. Because mm. that's all it has a relationship with. Yeah. Yeah. Is that and it's not the whole person. Yeah. Oh, right? totally. it's, it's, it's just that one part of us that right. that is at the lower stem of the brain. You yeah. know, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's right. That lizard brain that like, yeah, is, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, um, Oh, you want to no, say? no, no, no. I was, I lost my train of thought. So. Oh. <laughs> no, as, as you guys are talking about social media and how it affects us, like in like the highest highs and lowest lows, it, it made me think that the way we converse on social media is like everyone is talking, but only through megaphones. It's like they're screaming at mm. 110%. So whatever they say is yeah. like super loud and it's either going to be like great or it's going to be awful. It's like there, there is no, like we're just like hanging out and drinking a cup of coffee in the morning and we're all kind of like voices yeah. low and quiet. We're yeah. It's like, everything seems like it's at a really high pitch. And, um, like when I, when I see things that are, there's a journal called Latham's quarterly and they oh, yeah, pick I a love topic. That. Yeah. yeah. I love that thing. So they have, so that comes out once a quarter and they pick a topic and one of the, like the, um, and there's no advertisements. Yes. There's no advertising. <laughs> yes. There's no advertisements. The cover is always like one beautifully rendered object in like a field. So graphically, it, it, it embodies the brand promise of the text and the image, mm-hmm. which is really nice. Um, but they pick a, um, a topic, and one of the theses of the, of the publication is that 
Um, we have we exist now in a long arc of like human intellectual history, and people that have died before us um, have just as much to say as we have to say. So, they uh, is it entirely people that have died, or mostly? No, like, there's some oh, living authors, okay. but yeah, but they it's but one it's, conversation. Yes, it's yeah. yeah, exactly. It's a topic, and they'll pick one. They'll pick something like trade, and it'll be you know a journal full of articles and, and pieces about trade, or one about like. I don't know about like sex or about like it, it's it's a pretty broad topic generally, yeah. um, and I I like the way they do it slowly. It's like once a quarter, mm-hmm. not like it's not a Twitter feed. It's a print journal, and it comes out slowly. And yeah. um, just every, everything about the the thing they're embodying seems to be it just feels like <sighs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's a sigh. Yeah, but you have time to absorb it. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know. That's just the thing that... Yeah, yeah, but you mentioned the, the shouting, yeah. right? And the other piece of it is, I think, that um, social media and digital technologies give us the illusion that if we can amass enough experiences mm. in our lives, that, that's that we can living. publicize it. Yeah. That, yeah. that we can... That has some value in some has way. has some value. Yeah. And um, so when I was in grad school, um, my one of my mentors was Robert Sokolowski, okay. amazing philosopher, priest. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he, he pointed out this distinction in Aristotle, right, um, uh, about motion, hmm. right? And so th- there's, there's or, or move, yeah, movement. There's two types of movement, right? Uh-huh. One that in which the end is outside the movement itself, uh-huh. right? And then one where the end is within. Is, is the movement. Is within. They're kind of. Within, yeah, they're, yeah, they're tied together. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so um, life is the latter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Part of the journey is part of the, right. the end. Yeah. And, and so, but this, um, this idea of the experiences, right. It's mm. like, okay, if I have just enough of them, then I'll be complete. Right. Mm. But, but, but those are those kinds of like furniture advertisements, right. Where if it's like, <laughs> if I just get this like magazine look, I'm going to yeah. like my house. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but yeah. it's never the case. Like you always find things yeah. that are missing. And I, and I feel like the internet conspires to have us feel like life is a bunch of experiences that are strung together. Yeah. You know, but it's just, it's devastating when it doesn't happen. Like you were saying. Mm -hmm. And in that book, uh, Newport points out that like, um, there was a huge spike in anxiety and depression and Mm -hmm. all these mental health issues with, um, entering college students. Mm -hmm. The moment smartphones became ubiquitous. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, There's like a drastic, you know, spike in the, in the curve there. Right. And it's like, wow, like this is actual really real data. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, for all the people who are like throwing their hands up and saying, you know, we need a political fix or we need some kind of regulation or whatever, Mm -hmm. like Newport doesn't even address that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's an individual solution. Yeah. Which I, that's another thing I really like about it. Yeah. Yeah. That seems. Yeah. You can do something about it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to wait for anyone else. Yeah, yeah, that seems to be the the, the longest lasting and and like, in some way, the most just ways to like give someone, give them the dignity of like overcoming their own shortcomings, and then you you've also in addition to solving the problem, you have elevated them to the point where you're not just, you know, dragging them through the mud and saying like we know what's best for you and we're going to tell you what to do. Exactly. Like, that seems like a very noble thing to do. Yeah. To ena- to enable the person to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, there, um, there's a really great, uh, paragraph, uh, that, um, you wrote and I'm going to read it. It's okay. in your article. Uh, in the end he talks, uh, 
he talks. You say Newport urges us to develop to develop habits for the sake of the pleasure they generate and nothing besides. As Joseph Pieper pointed out in his own timely meditation on leisure, such habits are not idle breaks from the work, but vigorous and often demanding intellectual or physical pursuits. They're meant to counterbalance our craving for passive digital consumption with strenuous activity to trade our disorganized, low bandwidth connections for highly structured and high bandwidth socializing and to replace our ephemeral contributions to the web with physical real world creations. Paradoxically, the more we work at leisure, the less we work, uh, the less work we need to do in order to break free of the digital vortex. Um, that was a great kind of summary of a lot of the things we've talking about. And, um, Joseph Pieper's, uh, um, leisure as the basis of culture. Um, another one of these things we'll like add to the notes that all of our dutiful listeners can. <laughs> yeah. Can and it's something out. I didn't think about when I was reading that book, but um, I went back after this thing came out and, and looked at Peeper mm-hmm. and he has this idea of total work Yeah, of how like modern society um, has this idea of, of total work. Like that's what our life is for to yeah. work. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but it does seem like, you know, a did like creating a robust digital presence mm-hmm. fits into that category. Yeah. It's not leisure. Yeah. It's, it's work. Right. Yeah. Like, and it doesn't, it's not fulfilling work. How would you summarize total work as people understand it? Or as you understand what people trying to say? I think it, it he, I mean, I'm going to, Sure. As you terribly. understand it. Yeah. 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 It's just where work becomes the sole thing that drives our lives. Yeah. Right. Like that's the whole end goal, right. Yeah. Is to have, um, you know, enough of a professional life, you know, yeah. where that's the thing that fills us up. Sure. Right. Sure. And it, and it, it eclipses all those other things that have for centuries been the centerpiece of everyone's life, yeah. family, God, community, uh-huh you know, vocation. Sure. Those things are gone now. And what we have left over is work and the internet. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty, which in the internet, which basically just like buys your time between when you're going to work again. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a kind of hop on Netflix and cruise through the night and then wake up and do it all over again. Yeah. Which like, that's an amazing parallel to this line from uh, a pastor at St. Mary's when I was there in college station, uh, father, David, now Bishop David, he uh, he would say he had to have said it regularly, or else I wouldn't have remembered it. Um, that everything you do outside of the mass is a preparation for entering back into the mass. Oh, that's so good. So instead of this like work, social media, Netflix, work, social media, Netflix, it's like life and liturgy, and life and liturgy, yeah. and um, and uh, I I think because it's so short, I remember it, and because it's like true mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, you, hear, you hear it and it's one of these things where you don't have to like wrestle discursively with if it makes sense or anything. like nope got it yeah totally makes sense um another thing that popped up when you read that um as i was talking to um my former dissertation advisor mm-hmm. uh, i sent the article to him and he was like uh yeah good the thing I don't like about Newport <laughs> is that he um, uses technological language in yeah. his solution. Yeah. Mm. So he talks about high bandwidth, low bandwidth. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah, he does. Optimization. Yeah. 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 Like all that. Yeah. You know, he talks very about mechanistic. It's very mechanistic. He's, he's swimming in it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's a computer scientist. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And he's a PhD yeah. out in the West Coast. So he's. Um, and so I'm not, I'm not knocking that. I mean, I think it's still a valuable work, mm-hmm. but like it, it made me pause and think, okay. Mm-hmm. 
I, th- mm. I just kind of feel validated in where I, I th- my intuition led me yeah, of yeah. what was missing. Yeah. You know, and the whole thing that was missing yeah. was God. Yeah. You know? Sure. Like, yeah, it's no. not, he's not there. That's what I was saying. Like, your review of it seemed like the book seems really good. And there's there's a whole space of, like, we have on the on the desk, too, this uh, book by Greg McEwen called Essentialism. And you know Simon Sinek has his stuff, and yeah, there's like yeah. you know Tim Ferriss. There's a whole like yeah, there's headspace. an entire movement sure. right now. Movement market, you know, and and they're generally pretty devoid of. Uh, some of them get into like Eastern mysticism, but there's no one who's like Judeo-Christian uh, at all, from what I've seen. And that's partly just I think the cultural trend out there. But um, you, I, I feel the same way you do. It it was yeah. like it's clamoring for something that is like deafening in the silence mm-hmm. of, of all of this. So yeah, I was reading, yeah. I'm reading my new book now is, uh, the second mountain by David Brooks. Mm. He's a columnist for the New York times. Mm. And, um, he, he has that in there and like towards the end of the book, he writes his own faith journey into yeah. it. Hmm. And, um, it's clumsy as hell and he's, you know, <laughs> he's very vulnerable in that, pa- yeah. that chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's real, yeah. you know? Yeah. And yeah. like, I, I applaud him for that because yeah. in, in like all those people that you mentioned, mm-hmm. it's conspicuously absent. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it's like, yeah, these are all helpful. But if you don't, but if you think of all these things like that, mm-hmm. then religion just becomes another life hack. You know, it's, it, it, it works for right. some people and it's valuable for them. So you can be a friend to religion mm-hmm. without having any sort of real investment in it. Yeah. 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 And I think there's right now, there's such a desire for the hack, for the shortcut, yeah. for the, that's a great point. for the little, you know, nugget that is going so to true. unlock your life. You yeah, know, and the, the reality is like nothing is that simple. I mean, you read these books and yes, you get something out of them, but you, then you go back to your life and you realize like, this isn't that easy. <laughs> You know, I still have to struggle with it. Mm-hmm. I still have to wrestle with it. I still have to get up the courage to do it, you know. But I think there's such a thirst for that. And I and I think it, it might be that people are mm-hmm. unwilling to wrestle. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they just think that life should be that easy. You mm-hmm. know, and, but the reality is it's just not. Yeah. You know. That, that is a wonderful transition at almost a 30-minute mark into... Uh, a couple of lines from Sacrosanctum Concilium, which are some documents from Second Vatican Council. Part of this episode we're talking about is um, people not wanting to do the work. Um, the in paragraph two, um, the promotion of liturgical instruction and active participation. Um, quote directly: uh, Mother Church earnestly desires that all the faithful should be led to that fully conscious and active participation in the liturgical celebrations, which is demanded by the very nature of the liturgy. Such participation by Christian people as, quote, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a redeemed people, is their right and duty by reason of their baptism. In the restoration and promotion of the sacred liturgy, this full and active participation by all the people is the aim to be considered before all else, for it is the primary and indispensable source from which the faithful are to derive true Christian spirit, and therefore pastors of souls must zealously strive to achieve it, by means of necessary instruction in all their pastoral work. So basically it's saying that um, it's, it's in some way presupposing that before there was not full, uh, what does it say? Fully conscious and active participation. And basically what we've talked about up until now is that um, 
there's an entire industry clamoring for our attention and we're naturally predisposed to wanting to just fall back into this system of, you know, work and Netflix and social media. And, um, and this was in like, you know, Vatican II started in 59 and went into like the early sixties. And they're talking about people not being able to pay attention and not, or maybe it's not quite, I'm conflating the attention economy with full conscious actor participation, but I think there's enough parallel there or enough overlap where we can kind of run with it. Um, so, um, we, it's almost like we felt like people weren't paying enough attention and weren't actively participating enough. So we changed the mass instead of changing ourselves. And then we changed a lot over the course of a generation. Now that we have these sort of digital things plugging into our brains and we're like our bodies are physically tremoring when you have your phone in your pocket and you have the, what is it like the ghost mm -hmm. tremor thing? Like we're mm -hmm. physiologically being changed by the slot machines that are tied to servers in Russia and LA and you know, <laughs> like we're, we're, we are the cyborg. Like we're literally being uh, mentally and physically modified by all these things. And among that, we change some significant uh, effects of the liturgy, not fundamentally, but um, you know, flipping the direction of, of the priest and speaking in vernacular and changing mm -hmm. stuff like that. That's a pretty big change and pretty shocking to people who had done that their whole life. And, uh, we had changed both that and us. And it's kind of like we were supposed to just pivot with one foot and we pivoted with the wrong foot. And now both feet are moving and we don't know what's going on. Um, to use a terrible basketball metaphor. <laughs> uh, so this is kind of the point of the, the Newport discussion. And, um, you know, all three of us are, are Catholic and we like have a kind of uh, fealty to the faith. Like we believe what the church teaches and all that sort of stuff. So um, that's not really the issue. The issue that I'm trying to like nail down here in some way is um, how we can make sense of where we're at given the digital confusion and the, you know, the billion dollar apparatus that's, that has a lot of money at stake at locking in our eyeballs and our attention on their apps because time on site, time on app is how they make their money. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, go. <laughs> <laughs> Did anything come to mind whenever I read Well, I, I think the first thing that comes to mind is how prescient the church was. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you it's almost like they were too early in a way. You mentioned the conversation, right? Um, I think it becomes easy to forget that we're having a conversation with the church. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, all this stuff, you know, pulls us away from that. Mm. And I think the other thing that, that came to mind is, um, all of us have work to do, you know, like mm. how many times yeah. have you heard yeah. a parent talking about their teenage kid or whatever? And like, look how much there's, how much time they're spending on their video games or their mm -hmm. phones or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we're the same way. Like, oh, like yeah. we're, you know, so, so let's not exempt ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. and so I think, you know, it starts with me, yeah. right? I have work to do. Sure, sure. And so it's interesting because my, uh, addiction to technology didn't come through social media. Like I've mm. never really been into social media. Mm. I, I, Although I, you have a Twitter account with like three tweets. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I had, um, I never, I never had Facebook. Um, but I signed up for Twitter cause where, where my problem starts is with the information gathering, right? Uh, right? Like I, yeah, I'm a curious yeah. mind, you know, oh my gosh. Uh, God gave me an intellect 
but it's been vastly distorted, yeah. right? Because I, th- I just think if I can just gather enough information, uh-huh. then all of a sudden I'm going to understand mm, and get right. to a place of wisdom. Right. And that's not how it works. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so that's when I was looking for something that could yeah. help me, yeah. right? Um, and that's when this book fell into my lap because I was just yeah. like, this is not good. You yeah. know, I'm just mm. like spending a lot of time, mm. you know, reading stuff that other people say. And then I start comparing myself to people on Twitter mm. who can um, gather information better than I can. Like what, what were you looking for when you're gathering stuff? Just like whatever, like politics, you whatever, know, just like interesting opinions on stuff, consuming whatever the world would throw yeah. at you. I mean, I have my categories I like, yeah. you know, like yeah. all of us. Yeah. Um, but, you know, all that stuff just made me feel yeah. uneasy. Right, you know, and so I, I just realized, like, I got to take a step back, yeah, and figure this out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I would contend that that's mm. the work that they're talking about, that the the yeah. Vatican Council is talking about. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. H- how can I um, refocus my attention on what is the most important thing? Mm-hmm. You mm. know, um, in my own humble way, right? right? Like, right, I have to. I have to do something about it. Yeah. Well, and, and I think a big part of it was that we need to be self-reflective about what we're doing. You know, that it, it was easy to go through the motions. I mean, even the motions of our lives. You I mean, it's so easy to just go through our lives and look back and you're like, man, what happened to the last 10 years? Mm-hmm. I think it's our ability to be self-reflective has now become that much harder because it's when you're constantly bombarded by things to think about, how can you process anything? Right. Right. I mean, I think in the book, um, in the, uh, the, the um, what is it? Digital, Digital minimalism. minimalism book. They, they talk about like the importance of just kind of going away of, of being bored in a way, you know, yeah. people always talk about like the abolition of boredom in today's mm. society that mm. we don't have this phenomenon of like, man, what are we going to do now? You know, like, but it was, it was that boredom and that quietness that allowed you to think about stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and process what was happening in your life. But now we just go, we kind of run from one idea to the next, to the next, to the next. And you look back and you just, you haven't been reflective about anything that you do. No. You've just mm-hmm. been consuming. So I think that that was kind of the link to the, to the mass and why those, those changes were warranted. It was, are we going to be aware and self-reflective about what we're doing on Sunday? Yeah. It, or is it just part of the daily motions of life? Because that's what we do. You know, we, what do we do on Sundays? We get up and we go to mass and that's what we yeah. do, you know, but, it, but instead it's like, well, why do we do it? And that's you where know? that, and what does it all mean? That's where that phrase comes from. I don't get anything out of mass. That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's the, you know, that's the crux of it. I yeah. Mean, you know, yeah. if you're not, if you, if that's the only contact you have, mm-hmm. then, and I was there for a long time, honestly, sure. you know, it's like, like you said, you get, you get sucked into everything that's going on mm-hmm. and it's hard to get out. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and the interesting thing, um, about boredom is one of the things I liked about the book is he talks about solitude. That's right. Yeah. And he says, you know, if you define solitude as the absence of input from other minds, Mm-hmm. we're now at the first moment in history where we can not have solitude in the whole day. Ever. That's right. Ever. Yeah. We've just abolished it. Yeah. yeah totally. And that's, that's yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, so I, I recently was able to go and speaking of Thomas Merton, uh, to a monastery in Oklahoma where there are some Benedictine monks that, um, 
that practice a very strict form of of the Benedictine way of life. And so they're farmers out there. And of course, I mean, they don't use technology. They, um, you know, they organize their life around prayer and work. And so, you know, when you can go up there for a retreat and uh, visit with them. And it's remote enough that your cell phone connection doesn't work. <laughs> so even if you wanted to use it, uh, you can't, you couldn't. And it was just striking to me just how alive you feel whenever you remove all of it, you know, and, and I, you know, I got up at 5 a.m. with the monks to, to go through their prayer and, and through their uh, activities and everything. And one of the things that really struck me was you get up in the morning before the sun's up, you're praying with them. And then towards the end of the prayer, which is pretty long, the birds start waking up. And so you start hearing them chirp, you know. And so as you're hearing them chirp, you just realize that like the connection that they have to nature and how this mm. this cycle informs how they live their life every single day. And then you just see that, you know, they have conversation amongst themselves, like in the afternoon, they take a walk around the grounds and and that's their life and that that will be their lives for the rest, you know, for the rest of their time on Earth. And you realize that, like, they don't know about what's going on in politics. They don't know about, you know what all the all the goings on in the world all they know is what's happening there between them and their brothers and the work that they have to do and so on and so forth there's something just really beautiful and liberating about that you know and that it left me jealous of that you know i mean who would who would think that you would be jealous of some monks that have no technology but i left feeling jealous of them in a way you know and then returning to my life and then honestly thinking how can i bring some of that home so that I too can kind of be fully alive, so to speak. Mm. So, um, anyway, it made me think of what you're saying, Thomas Merton. And, and I think we all need to get away like that sometimes, you know, and, and to really just leave it all behind so that you can process and you can think and you can try to experience a deeper way of life. Mm -hmm. So anyways, totally. The, the place that I struggle with, because like when I hear about this digital minimalism stuff, you know, I kind of was heading that way anyway. So then when I hear something like that, it only encourages me to do it more. But the, the place where I have a hard time sometimes is like, well, why not just become Amish? You know, like at the end of the day, they have completely shunned all technology. You know, how do we begin to introduce some of these things back um, and how do we discern what is good and what is, mm. you know, taking us away from life? Great distinction. That was, that was my next question. Um, and I was, I was thinking of it in a slightly different way, which is, um, that there's a, a kind of conception that all of the things that we're dealing with are considered clutter and we should get rid of them and then add them back in. But there's, there, uh, there's another way to look at say, um, ornament or decoration as something that is, um, it is not a means to an end. It is like, it's beautiful in and of itself. It's like leisure. It's like a friend, mm -hmm. like you waste time with them. Like there's a, a priest, like listen to on the radio and he's like, go waste time with your best friends. Not that like the time is wasted, but it doesn't have a use. Mm -hmm. Go waste time with someone. And when I think about what that means, like architecturally, there are some things in the church that, don't have a, uh, an explicit utilitarian, like mechanistic, uh, 
you know, you, you couldn't put it in the terms Cal would use when he's talking to his fellow West Coast people. Um, and there's a distinction we're trying to, you were talking about drawing between what may be worth keeping and like is good in and of itself. And like, is, 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 it would be unproductive, let's say, to wipe everything out of a Catholic church. Architecturally, basically what I'm talking about happened, right? We just totally bought lock, stock and barrel, the, the kind of modernist idea of, you know, getting rid of all the icons and, you know, mm-hmm. using big concrete blocks. And, uh, we just sort of lost a generation of, uh, of laymen and we're like having to work back in these ideas of, you know, catechesis and evangelization and like, yeah. you know, our, basically our parents grew up in an era that was, uh, pretty desolate and, um, it like, that's a, that's an example of where being a minimalist, like hardcore, uh, is definitely to the detriment. And, um, there's gotta be some, you know, distinction you can draw between the two and some like governing principle that would help you to draw that line. Mm-hmm. So yeah, draw that distinction. So you think pop in your mind as we're, well, I, I just think that, you know, I don't think we're called to fight the world. Right. To, and, and, and so if that's mm. the mindset we take with towards technology, then I think we've gotten the wrong message mm-hmm. or at least, you know, I have. Mm. So I don't, I just, I don't want to be in that place. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it doesn't make me any closer yeah. to anything, you right. know? Um, so I, I don't know. I don't have like a, a concise answer yeah. except yeah. to say that. It wasn't know, a very good question. I just, so. no, it's, <laughs> it's a, it, no, it is a good question. I mean, or precise. I, I don't have say. the background in, in architecture, but I can, mm. I have glimpses of what you're talking about. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, and to the extent that I know about digital technology, I mean, um, there's a lot of talk now about, you know, user experience. Mm-hmm. Right. And it goes back to that point I made about uh, earlier about, you know, digital technologies, you know, enlarging the self, the ego mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. other technologies not. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, user experience design is all about creating more and more ways for users to seamlessly interact with that yeah. piece of technology. Yeah. The human computer interface basically like ceases to exist and it's just like you're right doing what you would naturally do. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, as a thought experiment, it'd be like, well, what would user interface design look like in a, in a church? Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, <laughs> it's, I mean like, it, it, it's, it's a really good question because, the the technology stripping down like the tabula rasa beginning makes sense because we aren't naturally existing with screens and digital technology so it's like rem- putting us back in a place where we are naturally and i think naturally um the the churches of uh you know just to be really generalized not like the modernism of the last like hundred years, let's say like post World War modernism. Mm-hmm. Um, buildings pre eighteen fifty that um, were comfortable using ornament and decoration. Generally speaking, that is the natural state of things. Mm-hmm. So I think the the digital stripping down to to ground state works because that's returning us to what we are naturally. I think the modernist stripping down removes something that's fundamental to who we are. Mm-hmm. So it's like taking us not back to where we were, but taking us like below the ground state. And we're trying to get back up to our natural state, uh, of just like being comfortable with like ornament and decoration. And like people, like if I show my kids a picture of a traditional building or a super modernist church, they're going to think the modernist church is really weird. And I didn't teach them that. Like 
I could have, and my schooling tells me that the modernist church is way cooler than right, the traditional right. thing. Yeah. And I still like instinctively like have misgivings about advocating at a really high level for just like traditionalism. Um, because it's not like you can be really bad at what you're doing and just have like historical pastiche. That's not productive or you can have really great traditional buildings that remind you of the history of the church and the, you know, yep. the saints and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I think, um, made me think the conversation about time and wasting time and, you know, our conception of time is very much one where we, we feel like we need to maximize it. You mm-hmm. know, we need to get the most out of every second. And I think that's where a lot of this productivity cult has come out, you mm-hmm. know. And I think some of these things, even essentialism and some of these other things, uh, digital minimalism in a way is saying make time for other things. Now, they don't tell you what that other is. They just say, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But I think... You, de- you decide. That's right. You decide what it is. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's what we're talking about. Maybe, you know, if they had a little more God perspective, <laughs> it, would, it would help. But it made me think of there's this uh, video on YouTube of Bishop Fulton Sheen, and it's called The Rat Race, where he very much talks about that. And he just talks about how, like, life can become a rat race in which you are constantly just seeking the next kick or the next stimuli. So you're just like, I'm going to go on a great vacation. And then you go on a great vacation, and then it's over. And then you're like, okay, well, what am I going to do next so that I can continue to get, like, yeah. these hits? Yeah, you know? the, the hedonic treadmill. Of course, now we've created right. these micro-hits every time you use your phone, and you're just constantly medicated on that. But one of the things he talks about is, like, what, what you need to do to get out of the rat race is think with the perspective of eternity. So, because the idea is if you think of your time as just, like, a very finite thing, which I mean it is, but if you think of time as only finite, then yes, then you just should enjoy life as much as you possibly can because that's it. But if you have, if you think of life as eternity, then all of a sudden some of the pressure is off and you can just, you know, enjoy life. Go have, you know, a drink with your friends and not worry about the fact that, oh man, I could be doing so much more. I could be doing this or that. You can just enjoy time with your family because if you're living for eternity, then you don't have to make, you know, productive every second of your life, you know. Mm. Anyway, so I thought that was interesting and helpful yeah. in trying to decide how to spend your time and, and, you know, how to use technology. I think what you were saying is kind of interesting. Have you guys heard of the light phone? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I, I okay. Do you have one or do you, have you no, thought about one? No, no. Because I've thought about they're it. They're too expensive. They, they are, are very <laughs> expensive. They are very yeah. expensive. But, yeah. m- but my thought was, like, there is an attempt to try to use technology, mm-hmm. yeah. but, d- but make an interface that is not explicitly designed to make you addicted mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like if you take that concept and begin to have other people design apps and design technology right. in a way that isn't made so that it's addictive mm-hmm. that, in that way, then you can begin to reintroduce technology in a very healthy way, yeah. in a very helpful way. Right. You know? But there's, yeah. not, there's not enough money in that. Like yeah. it won't happen because yeah, there's, the, the there's incentive structure. Yeah. Not, yeah, I think it was a aligned. Kickstarter. There's not a yeah, it's it was, a it was GoFundMe yeah. or something. Yeah, but but it was also interesting. They had the Light Phone and then the Light Phone Two. Yeah, they, they added, added a, few a lot of stuff, and they had a lot of descriptions that were like, "This is why we added it." We added a few things. We have yeah. a contact book they now. Did. We have a little yeah. notepad, and they have music. They have directions. Yeah, but yeah. that that yeah. that point about ornament really got me thinking. You know, um, 
and I, I think when I was an undergraduate, I got really interested in, I think it was the seventh ecumenical council. Okay. Like, um, I think it was, uh, Damascene. Okay. You know, but, but basically, um, it was where the, the, um, the Eastern church and the Western church started splitting. Split, mm-hmm. okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and and the really big thing was about uh, you know iconography. Yeah. Like, yeah, are right. we going to have representations of God? Yeah. You know, in our church. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, so just before they split, they decided yes, we are. Mm-hmm. You know. And so. Thank God. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. But but you think about it, like once you make that, right, uh-huh. you get so much flowering of ornament. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. As a natural you know expression mm-hmm. of devotion and like. You know, you, you, then now you can go to whatever, wherever, like Fiesta, and get these really crappily reproduced images of the saints mm-hmm. on a candle. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, <laughs> and that's just like part of the deal. And so, like, how, like, I don't, I, I agree with you. Like, that's not a bad thing. Like, yeah, what, what would it be to just strip all that out? Yeah, it, it strips away people's actual like tangible purchase. Yeah, on you know their their devotion, their faith, mm, mm-hmm. and um. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that, you know, those two things are mutually exclusive, like the digital minimalism and sure. that. Yeah, but yeah. it definitely raises a good point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I took the Cal's pretty narrow in his uh, digital minimalism, being like it's about you and your technology use. Yeah, and I basically said like let's blow it up to like the history of architectural ornament right. over the course of <laughs> yeah. the world. Um. Yeah. Um. Yeah, totally. There was all good points. Um, there, there is a uh, a thing, and uh, well, let me ask you something while you think of a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, do you think there is? Do you think there is anything good about social media? Like, is is there a reason to use it? Is there benefits? Or, okay, let me rephrase that because there, there clearly are benefits. Like you can connect with your family, friends, etc. Is the negative aspects of it worth, like is the risk reward there for social media? Or would you have to fundamentally change how it works in order to justify using it? Um, I mean, that's the question I'm not really qualified to answer, I think. Mm. Um, but what I would also say is like, you know, what what social media presupposes to mm-hmm. is like, um, I think it, social media doesn't make sense in a traditional communal type of living. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So that had to be disintegrated mm-hmm. before this thing could, because yeah, the promise of it yeah. is like connect with your family. Right. Like, you know, when I was living in Washington DC and our first son was born, I could send my mom mm-hmm. pictures of him. Right. And she felt a little bit of a connection. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's, it's like, like the, uh, the foundation of social media goes, um, I think much further than digital technologies. Right. They're just kind of overlaid on it. Mm. Yeah. And they, I, th- I think they have the effect of exacerbating that problem rather right. than the other way around. I mean, imagine how much more meaningful a handwritten letter mm-hmm. would be from with your, a picture. Yeah, yeah. From your son. Right. You know, with a picture in it, or not right. even a picture, right? Just that just described mm. the way that yeah. your that his son moved in the world, right? 
you know, in his own way. Yeah. Like, and, and you can't like that. Right. Right. It's not, it's not not likable. You can't just, and and that's such a flimsy response. Right. You know, it it warrants something deeper that possibly couldn't even be uh, expressed. I mean, you know, yeah, no, it's, that's actually really interesting. So that box up there is letters from my wife's grandparents to each other. So they were uh, dating right after the war. Um, and so you, I mean, it's very much what you're describing. I mean, they were like, there's these accounts of how they were missing each other, how they wish they were together. It's accounts of like them preparing for their wedding and all this stuff. And it just makes me think like, I mean, Colleen and I wrote some letters to each other, like when we were dating, but mm-hmm. compared to that very little. Mm-hmm. There will be some records on Facebook if it still exists way in the future. But oh, like, I was just thinking, exist. I was just thinking like <laughs> there is a, there's so much more that you get in a letter because you see how they wrote. Did they write fast? Did, yeah. they, write, did they take their time with it? Mm-hmm. What kind of paper did they use? Yeah, totally. That you just do not get. Yeah. And they're so much Facebook better at writing too. Like yeah. when you read letters of people in, in a handwriting culture, yeah. they like the way they construct their sentences and the way like... You're sort of like oozing life out of every single thing yeah. you do. It's like, it, yeah. So you're right, and you can't, wild. you can't like that. It's just yeah. And then something you know, yeah. even now, text message or social media. You right. know, mm-hmm. one of right. the ideas I had that we haven't really implemented between my wife and I is to only use text messaging for logistics. Hmm. Right. That's mm-hmm. a that's a way to use technology and recognize its limitations. Correct. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 Um, and just say okay, like I, have to, I, I can pick the kids up, or you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. But then mm. you're, you're not sort of using that uh, as a surrogate for telling mm-hmm. someone how you thing. feel. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah something right. important. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't want to mediate that. Yeah, no, I think that's, and I think that's beginning <laughs> to recognize those things. I'm just thinking about using bitmojis oh. or emojis, oh. like really sarcastic <laughs> bitmojis or or like. Yeah, I was just thinking about how how you're like you have this very noble like we're only going to use it for logistics and we're going to like be present to each other. And if you look at my text message stream with my wife, it's like totally like <laughs> emoji ridden and like photos of like yeah, it's really funny. Yeah, uh, but that that's I mean I I like the idea. It's it's one of these really provocative like yeah that seems right. That's what you should be doing. You should be like living in meat space and not in this sort of. Mm-hmm. you know, digital world like that. It, it, it makes me think about how, when I was in Italy, uh, going on vacation or not going on vacation, studying abroad, uh, actually did stuff when I was there. Uh, I carried a camera around with me and, uh, I lived so much of that experience through the camera lens that like as an architecture student oh, going to yeah. study architecture, I wanted to like experience all these things. But what I really wanted was, like what you're talking about, how we used to conceive of, or we, we do conceive of life as a series of moments. And if we just construct the right amount of moments and the perfectly curated point, um, uh, publish them all at the same time and have, you know, yeah. whatever else is that, uh, creating this sort of image of you online, uh, that that's life. And I, I realized that I wasn't being fully present to the building and you're going to kind of lose some of it because you're not going to have the photo. But the photo is uh, is a kind of weak facsimile of the thing to begin with, mm-hmm. so it's better just to be fully present when you're there and to let it fade. Yeah. And it, it's almost like what social media has done for us is suggest that things should never fade, and you should always have 
the really poppy, like high depth of field image that's always ready and you can just pull it up whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Whereas before it was like you would go there and you would travel to, you know, travel the world. You would go from like southern Louisiana and travel to France and go on a tour mm-hmm. and come back. And you wouldn't have the, you may have one photograph, but you wouldn't have all these images of you mm-hmm. all over the place that you could constantly pull up and that would kick back into your news feed five years later or ten years later. Remember this time you were here? Yeah. Keep your eyes on the platform. We mm-hmm. need your ad. You yeah. Know. It's like no, and po- it's a genius because it yeah. uses your friends and family to keep yeah. you on it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's genius. It's and it. I, if I can go back and talk to f- former self, I would tell former self to uh, like take physical photos, like carry a Polaroid camera with like 20 piece, 20 layers of film and take those 20 photos over the six months you're there. Like take photos, but like make them very few and far between and just journal every night. I journaled for the first couple of days and then totally didn't finish it and really wish that I had done that. And like, that's just a practical, it's like you kind of betting on yourself and trying to, you know, talk to your future self in a way that's like writing the letter writing thing that we're all sort of fawning over do do it with yourself yeah when was the last time i wrote a letter i mean it's been years oh my gosh years i mean i've written like little thank you notes here and there yeah yeah a true letter that i mailed (laughs) it's been a while (laughs) so let's get practical to end the episode practical stuff people that have listened to this uh, i imagine if people are listening are like us they hear a lot of the anecdotes and a lot of the stories about uh, digital minimalism and about you know our experiences of the faith. And I imagine a lot of people are just sitting their head nodding like, yep, yep, that's me. Totally buying into all of it. But what do I do? Yeah. So what do you guys think? If you're going to give advice to the people that are listening, maybe there's like people in seminary, maybe there are priests, maybe there yeah. are laymen who have families like us, like we all have kids. Um Maybe there's a bishop or two that are listening. <laughs> so I guess a couple of things that I've actually implemented. Yeah. That, yeah, have, yeah. Been, that have been um, helpful. Um, one of them is turn off every single notification on your phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, okay. including text one. messages. That is a good okay. You have to tell people that you're going to do that, though. Yeah. Um, and that's important, especially if you're married. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> if you want to remain married. If you want to remain you married. You will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And also, so, um, he, he talks a lot about, uh, bundling, Hmm. you know, Uh so you bundle your text messages because text messages want us to be on call. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So that's one thing that I've done and it's been incredibly helpful. The other thing is when I get home, I put my phone next to my bed and I just don't interact with it until I set my alarm to go to sleep. Hmm. Right. So that's. The second thing I've done that's actually been really helpful. When you say bundled text messages, you mean respond at the same time? That's yeah, what you mean? so okay. at a designated time of the day, you know, okay. I do it on my lunch break. Okay. I, I reply to everything. Yeah. You know, and then um, I check it again the next day. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and people get used to it really fast. Mm-hmm. Sure. And they stop texting you. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. You know, if they really need you, they can call. Right. Oh, mm-hmm. and then, you know, my phone has this option where you can set up favorites mm-hmm. where the phone call gets through, you know, if you put it on the do not disturb okay. yeah. mode. Yeah. So, yeah. so like people can still call you. Um, so, and then, you know, carve out time. If you haven't already carve out time for solitude, for mm. prayer. I mean, mm. yeah. you know, that's, that's part of that work. I think that, you know, we have to do. And I think if, if we do that, then we're going to be less 
likely to be pulled back in. Mm. Yeah. You know, what yeah. time of day do you typically pray? Like, I, do you have a typical routine? Yeah. In, in like the morning. Pray. Yeah. 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 Do you get up like before your wife and kids get up or? I try to. Yeah. Yeah. You're like me. <laughs> my, my, my son uh, like has other being a morning ideas, person. Okay. Yeah. You know, but, um, no, I find, I mean, you know, just the way it works out. I mean, on a practical basis is, it's more like short moments throughout the day, mm-hmm. you know, that, that tend to work for me. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would love, and, and, and I spent a lot, a lot of time like, you know, getting, um, feeling guilty, mm. you know, that I didn't have this two hour block <laughs> like the monks <laughs> in Oklahoma do, Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, uh, um, nice. it would be nice. Right. But, um, <laughs> you know, we have to have, I'd probably go crazy. Honestly, if someone told me like, Hey, Tomorrow, um, you don't have to go to work. Uh, and then they're like, oh, you have like two hours to go like sit in adoration for two hours. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could do it. <laughs> right. I, I like the idea of doing it. But like, you know, I'm talking about like no books, just like sitting in silence by myself. Yeah. Um, I, I, I know myself well enough to know that that would be a, a challenge. That right. just means you really need it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but yes, I know what you mean. Yeah, I did so, a silent So those are the couple of, couple of things that yeah. I've done. I mean, and yeah. I've also started. Um, there's this another life hacker out there, Tristan um, Harris. No, uh, yeah. Ryder Carroll. Ryder, who, how do you spell her name? R y d e r c a r r l o l l. I don't know if there's two other ones. Okay. Google anyway, Google. so um, he came up with this thing called the Bullet Journal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally use Bullet or use the the system. Yeah. Oh, did so, you start? Did you start doing it? Yeah, yeah. So I've been doing that. Yeah. And that's really helpful mm-hmm. um, for me personally because it's an analog way mm-hmm. to record, you know, mm-hmm. things I need to do, thoughts, feelings, whatever, yeah, I love it. rapidly, mm. you know. So you, so I, I get caught up in like how does this phrase sound, mm. especially when I write with a pen. Mm-hmm. But this, this method, you know, gets me out of that and just says, okay, just write down. It doesn't matter how it sounds just yeah. as yeah. long as it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so checking in with that on a daily basis really helps me prioritize those things I need to prioritize. Interesting. So, yeah, that's great. But it's key that it's an analog yeah. method. Yeah. I, I have some to do lists at work that are digital and they need to be digital. And then I keep on trying to keep a digital personal and to do list is not the right word. Cause some of it is like, you know, like thoughts and feelings aren't a to do list. Right. But, um, it just like never works out when it's digital. It's like when I get right. when I get into a point where I want to like be by myself and think about it, pulling out a screen. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, it's because you're pulling out a thousand distractions at the same time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah. There it's are so few, easy to just surf the web when you have your phone. <laughs> there are a few other uh, things kind of going off of your turning off on notifications that uh, we've talked about Tristan Harris before, but he's um, a guy in a similar space, but he started an organization called time well spent. He was, uh, are you familiar with him yeah. at all? Okay. Yeah. So he, for the listeners who aren't, he was the, uh, a chief, um, like product philosopher at Facebook and Google. He's kind of been in the belly of the beast and he, uh, recognized their, um, the complications with, uh, business model and his at least personal ethics surrounding, uh, attention and basically the direct relationship between d- straight up manipulating people and mm. 
um, making a bunch of money in advertisements and wanting people to actually live their lives. And hence the name of his organization is Time Well Spent. One of the things he, he has a list of things that you should do. One of them is turn off all notifications. Actually, he says turn off notifications that aren't from people. So if there's an app that generates a bunch of you know random crap that's thrown at you, he said turn that off. Mm-hmm. But if it's a person, like if it's your wife or if it's your friends, it's like that's fine. He said grayscale your phone. So turn off all the colors mm-hmm. because a lot of the mental uh, manipulation is around the little red dot and the way the, the color scheme works and how everything flies down. Uh, it's all highly engineered. Um, uh, among other things. And um, like one of the things he says is bury all of your apps and search for them by text because if you need it, you'll mm-hmm. remember it. And I did that. I have the USA app and I use it to you know upload um, uh, like checks and things if I get a check. And I just put it in some folder and it doesn't need to be up front. But there are a few that I always search through by text because I have buried them, but I use them. There's a ton of other ones that I buried that I just never see. Mm-hmm. So it kind of hides things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But... He's got a, a list of things on time well spent. If you just Google time well spent, Tristan Harris, you'll find the things there. Rafa Nader, dude, bro, mm-hmm. tell me what you have done with your digital life that either you have done yourself or that you would recommend that you yourself haven't quite pulled the trigger. I always say quit social media. He didn't do it. Today. I run the Twitter for the podcast and <laughs> the, 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 the uh, the description in the Twitter is like, you know, a podcast about ar- architecture and stuff by at Chris Duffel and the Twitter list, Rafael Morales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just don't, I honestly think you'll be way better off. Like you will be happier. Yes, at first it's difficult. People think you died or something. Mm-hmm. But then you just go make a friend. Go talk to someone. So you had social media and then you did. removed it. I did. Yeah. Okay. So I had Facebook, I had Twitter, yeah. Pinterest, all that stuff. Yeah. But I just, the I mean, to me, the last straw was just, um, when my grandpa died, I saw all my cousins posting stuff about it and getting 113 likes or whatever it was. Right. So I was like, Oh, I should post something so that I can get some likes, you know? And I posted it. I got like five and I remember being really upset. Yeah. Like I was like, why, you know, like, mm-hmm. and then I just realized like, why would I, why would this matter? Like, why would I care if people liked what I said? If I mean what I say about my grandpa, why would I care mm. if people liked it or not? Yeah. So for me, that just signaled that I didn't like the person I was becoming because of social media, yeah. that I was so caught up in saying things only so that people would like them. And I have told Chris this, I already struggle enough with caring too much about people and what they think. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and so Social media was just taking that up to a 12. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was like, it, that was it. That was the last straw. I got off of it and I mm. can't say I regret it at all. I mean, it was fun to have it sometimes, especially Twitter, just because you get to see all the news mm. stories and everything. Mm-hmm. But I am way better off. I feel like I have way more time than I used to. And that would be my recommendation is I don't just think it's worth it. I... Don't think that the benefits it provides, it can be supplemented in other ways. Like you said, you can call someone, you can write them. I mean, even texting is is better, Mm -hmm. even though it can still get out of hand. Um, Mm. There's just a lot of alternatives. And the best one is just go talk to someone in real life. Go make a friend. So Totally. There's a a point in digital minimalism where Newport says uh, he makes the point that intentionality 
trumps inconvenience. And that's the, the trade-off that a lot of people uh, are worried about because it's super convenient. Right. But if you're intentional, and intentionality, as he describes this, means you're intentionally choosing to forego a social media platform or always being on call, like you were mm-hmm. saying. Um, choosing to have downtime means that if someone Facebook messages you and, like, I'm in it more than I think you two guys are, but I'm not totally in it. So when someone sends me a Facebook message, like, hey, let's go have dinner in two hours. And I'm like, I'm not on. Two weeks later. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, dude, like call me. Like if you really want me to go, like don't. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't have Facebook on my phone anymore. Um, but I still like engage with it and stuff like that. But, um, like when someone Facebook messages me, I got to where I'm like, I'm sort of frustrated that people will do that because it forces the conversation onto that platform. And I don't want to be, on the platform, I'd rather you yeah. call me. And there's there's some people that I just don't, you know, have to give my phone number to, so it's fine. But um, he he makes the point that you'll miss out on sporadic opportunities, uh, or the convenience of whatever it is that is happening quickly. But the return, uh, you'll return more value in your life by focusing than you will gain by having the convenience of the app. And he said that's a trade you should always make. Yeah. Always trade convenience for, uh, or always uh, make the trade of intention, intentionality over uh, convenience. Mm. Yeah, and it seems like a pretty obvious win. Um, Be cool if Facebook had like an out of office reply. <laughs> right. like, yeah. like sorry i'm not on this platform for the next six months yeah, yeah. that's right yeah you know? that's right yeah that's like that's your profile that's image. funny right right yeah yeah or like uh i know the iphone has like the do not disturb when you drive and it like sends you messages saying i am driving please do not message me right now or whatever yeah it's just funny <laughs> do you have any other recommendations for peeps i mean i, I would say that's my biggest one other than that you know, a lot of the things that you've already talked about is just live, live life. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. take less pictures. That's another thing that mm-hmm. I, so my dad, you know, is the kind of person that goes on vacation and comes back with like a thousand pictures, no joke. Mm-hmm. And I remember we went on vacation one time to New York city and we were looking at the statue of Liberty, you know, we were uh, on a boat. And this is the first time we had ever seen the statue of Liberty. And I mean, he was just like taking picture after picture yeah. to the point that he was not seeing it in real life. And I just like grabbed his elbow and pulled the camera down. And I said, dad, just yeah. look at it. Yeah. Just look at it. And he did. He like just stopped and he was like, <laughs> you know, and, and I think that a lot of times that's what happens. And, and the same thing happens with kids and with our family. Sometimes we're so caught up in trying to capture mm-hmm. the moment yeah. that we don't even experience yeah. it. So that's another thing I would say. It's yeah. just like, just experience the moment, mm-hmm. you know, like how, how many times do you actually go back and look at pictures? Mm, right. Like think about that's it. a good point. You know what I mean? We we actually do. That's one thing that I would I'm going to add in my recommendation list is I have photos on uh, on streamable locations. So I'm trying to get into the habit of like when the kids want to watch a show, I will pull up an album and or I'll just stream it from my phone or something. And I've got you know it's like 50 photos of a trip to Grandma's house. Yeah. And on the iPhone, there's a, a, a handy thing where you press play and you give it like a theme. And it will start scrolling through the images and add some music. Yeah. So what they're watching isn't like Daniel Tiger or something. It's the yeah. it's memories of the family, mm-hmm. and that's a te- particular technology use that I like. I did it randomly one time, 
And then like, can we look at more photos of like our trip? Like they're driving a tractor yeah. with you know uncle and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and that just like feels right. It's kind of like a uh, a watered down modern version of letter writing. It's still sort of right. you know showing what happened, and yeah. you're kind of using the the photos that we took. Um, but but you um, mentioned your kids. Um, one thing I started doing was when I, whenever we um, watch Daniel Tiger or whatever, mm-hmm. I watch it with them. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, that's that's something that was a paradigm shift for me because mm. I because I was always like, oh, you know, yeah, we can put that on. That's great. I can like wash dishes or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. But but it's just make technology a communal experience. Mm. Yeah. yeah, you know, that's a good totally. point. That's and then point. Um, I don't want to watch Daniel Tiger that long, so. <laughs> I'll watch like one episode, then I'm like, all right, we're done. What are we going to do next? <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. 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 Uh, Moving on. The last That's recommendation I have is kind of happened, ha- happened haphazardly, which was my phone broke, like the uh-huh. screen shattered. And so I bought a really cheap Android, like the AT&T stock, yeah. whatever they had. Yeah. That yeah. was like $50. Yeah. And I used that thing for a year, over a year. Uh-huh. And it took such bad pictures that it just never took any. You pictures. never took photos, and it was yeah. so slow. Like I couldn't even really use the maps. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And so that oh, really, wow. that really helped. You know. So if you want to be radical about it, just you know, get a dumb phone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. I really am. I'm because my phone is kind of on its last leg, so I'm, I'm starting to think about what to replace it with. Yeah. So I don't know. I haven't decided. <laughs> yeah. One thing that Melissa and I do. Um, is we don't carry our phones into church when we go to mass and we'll, you know, grab them and pull in the car, you know, for whatever reason, I don't even know we take them out of the house, but we're in the van driving to mass and we have this little um, thing uh, in our console, this little kind of fold out compartment. And on the way out, she like pops it out and we drop our phones in there. And it's like, we go, go to a meeting and, um, we like after mass and the phones are still in the van and sometimes we're like, Oh, I forgot. Like, you know, but it's nice because when we go, we don't have them in our pockets mm-hmm. and I don't have the, like, Oh, dad, turn it off. Oh, is it going to vibrate? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then some grandma on the front row is like, thank God that's not me. It's like, no, the phones are just not on us. And that's been a really, I think good thing. And sometimes I'd still bring my phone in and we'll kind of check each other and she'll look at me and she'll like, why's your phone on you or, or I'll look over at her and actually that's not true. She's really good about it. I'm the bad bad one. She like catches me with it. Um, but not bringing them into the building at all has been helpful because it's not a, I think mostly important for the kids. Like we're signaling to them that that this technology is not relevant to what's going on now. We need to be present to, you know, the community and what's going on. Um, so that's probably the biggest technology change that we have made over the last, I don't know, six to 12 months. Yeah. Um, I have definitely backed off of social media use, but I have replaced it with, um, slowly over the last few years, more as a recent, um, totally replaced it with podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I, of the time I don't spend on social media, I like way outstrip that, yeah. <laughs> but it's, but it's a different kind of thing because it's me listening to people talk about, you know, ideas and debates and stuff that um yeah. it's a different kind of media consumption but it's definitely massive media consumption <laughs> so well, yeah also i i am almost weaned off of youtube really <laughs> i've been working on it yeah no more fulton sheen 
Yeah, I know. I'm, <laughs> machine. I'm, I'm probably like, I think I've caught out at least 60% of the time I used to spend on YouTube, which was quite a bit. <laughs> wow, that's so, awesome. That's like, because I still consider that social media. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to cut down on it to where I will watch something if there's something specific that I'm looking for. But I'm not no longer going to just be like, oh, the suggested videos. Look at that one. Oh, look at that one. That one's really mm-hmm. good. <laughs> yeah. You know, because that's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're still listening to this uh, riveting conversation, uh, we, we have some work to do if we're going to uh, what, do what the church requests of us in order to uh, be fully and actively participating in the liturgy. Uh, one of the first things you have to do is you have to set the preconditions for you to be able to engage in the mass in a way that is productive. So uh, take some time and think about the ways you relate to your digital technologies, uh, the way these thoughts about digital minimalism could help you or your spouse or your children uh, or your father or your brothers and sisters. We all know people who are more or less uh, digitally addicted than ourselves. So uh, don't be afraid to reach out, do, uh, do a, um, a corporal work of mercy and call out someone who needs a little, <laughs> a little reckoning and, uh, and really take some time to think about it because, um, if you just listen to this podcast, nod your head and then go back to whatever it is you're doing and don't let it change your life, then, uh, we have failed and don't let us be a failure of a podcast. So, <laughs> uh, we'll have a lot of show notes for things that we have talked about, um, people, ideas, books, um, but the, the kind of summary of all this is just give yourself space, you know, yeah. take some time and, um, uh, it never hurts to back away a little bit from the things that seem like they're claiming too much of your attention. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's it. Closing music. <laughs> Thanks Taylor. Um, Thank you. I, I, yeah, I would normally you. ask, uh, for, for guests, if, uh, you know, where can they find you on social media? How can they connect? <laughs> how can they, how can they connect with you? Yeah. What can they do? Um, do you have a, a, a pigeon drop box? People can, <laughs> I do not. <laughs> yeah. If people actually do want to get in contact with you, uh, how would they go about doing that? They could send me an owl, an owl. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Now, um, yeah. I mean, I, I do have a Twitter account. I check okay. it, you know, once a month. Okay. So that's a good way. Um, Great. I think my most, so it's August 1st. Check it. Don't send any tweets. Until... <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or LinkedIn. I mean, that's probably my most okay. active one. So. Great. Okay. Yeah. LinkedIn. Awesome. I thought Owl was like the latest social media. I was like, whoa, I haven't no, heard no. about this one. Send me an Owl. <laughs> no, not Harry Potter fans, huh? <laughs> no, no. I, I first thought Harry Potter, but I was like, but maybe I'm just out there. Maybe there's another social media. <laughs> don't, don't ask a dumb question. Don't ask a dumb question. Cool. All Very right. Cool. So LinkedIn, if someone wants to actually hook up with you yeah, or just like way. very cool meet you and hang out yeah cool alright well thanks right. again yeah thank thanks you. for your time yeah, thank you appreciate it thanks for listening the best way to enjoy the podcast is to pull up the accompanying blog post for the episode at beautyevernew.com there you will find show notes guest information helpful visual aids and more to continue the conversation follow us on Facebook Twitter and Instagram And let us know how you're experiencing beauty in your churches and community.